If we are just conforming, I don't see hope. Hope for me is let's see a reality, everything that is within it, and let's try to make this place a better place. Welcome everyone to The Seed, Conversations for Radical Hope, a Pendle Hill podcast where Quakers and other seekers come together to explore visions of the world that is growing up through the cracks of our broken systems. I'm your host, Dwight Dunstan. This podcast is a space where I'll be talking with Quakers, activists, artists, and members of the Pendle Hill community about their personal journeys and the moments of transformation that have guided and expanded their visions of the world and of themselves. Today, we're going to begin at the beginning, here on the campus of Pendle Hill in Wallingford, Pennsylvania, where this project was born. I'm joined by Francisco Burgos, the executive director of Pendle Hill. Francisco comes to Pendle Hill from the Center for Community Initiatives at the Monteverde Institute in Costa Rica and is a self-described dreamer whose visions are grounded in reality. Wow, Francisco. So great to have you here. So great to be here with you. I am excited to have this conversation with you. I think that we have been looking forward for that for, for a long, long time. long time. And here we are at the onset of this podcast, this, wow, this path that you and me and many others will be walking on as we explore themes around spirituality, around action, around art, around sowing seeds, about creating the world we want to see. I'm excited. Before we talk about where we're going, we got to talk about where we've been and how we've got here to this moment. That's correct. And so to begin, you know, this idea, our podcast originally came from you. I've heard you talk about your ideas as your children, to some extent, as these babies that, you know, are these, these seedlings of ideas. And I think that's the best place to start. Well, I think that the podcast, as you say, is a, it has been a seed for a long time because I love the idea of seeing the process of transformation, which I hope that this space that we are creating and that we are launching today can be a space for transformation for many people. You know, it, oh, that question, that conversation, that phrase, that point, that song, how I am related to this uh, opportunity as a space, as an invitation for examining our life and maybe finding new ways of dealing with our current reality in the world mm. it, with beauty, mm-hmm. yeah, with beauty right. and with, with strong sense of hope. Mm. The podcast for Pendle Hill came out of the needs of having an expansion of our many conversations that we have here in this place around the dining table and that we come to them later and say, huh, definitely this is something that is nurturing me. And I would like to continue exploring it in a way that can benefit not just me, but my community. Yeah. And I'm appreciating so many pieces of what you just shared, you know, thinking about the need that a community has or a need that the culture has and and how a podcast and media can maybe speak to something. That person who's asking that question, right, where might they turn for answers? Where might they turn for somebody to reflect back to them? Their experiences. Yeah. But let me uh, reverse the, the coin here. We have been talking about me as the dreamer of this podcast, but 
I would like to talk a little bit about you. Mm. So who is Dwight? Um, thank you for that question. Yeah, D- Dwight Dunstan. I'm a I'm a artist. I'm a creative. I am a lover. I am a seeker. I'm an uncle. Um, I'm a facilitator. I'm a deeply, you know, loving, silly, <laughs> uh, open person. Yeah, I'm a Quaker. You know, I came to Quaker space as a teenager. I didn't grow up going to meeting for worship or really knowing anything about the Society of Friends. And I went to a Quaker high school at 14. I didn't know it at the time, but it would be the seed that will be planted in me to really nurture and cultivate this sense of spirituality and action. Yeah. And as, as a creator, as an artist, I am someone who really believes in the power of art to transform, to transform individuals and groups and communities and therefore society. You know, if society is made up of individuals, anytime you amplify the gifts of an individual, the society is ultimately necessarily amplified. Anytime an individual is able to be more healed or whole, the entire society is more healed and whole. So I think about my art practice as supporting individuals to heal. And I know it does that because it heals me. Even making art, even playing a song, even writing a verse, like I feel a little bit more free. I feel a little lighter. I feel a little more connected. And so I know that has the potential to do that for anyone who comes in into contact with the art that I make. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned healing, because I think that this is part of what we are trying to create here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, can, mm-hmm. can a podcast be a seat for social healing? I think that as long as we foster connections, we can move forward with the agenda of social healing that is so needed in our current time. So I am eager to continue learning to, you know, to what these Pendle Hill podcasts will offer to all of us. What will it be? And I am so glad that you are partnering with us to, to walk with us this, this path. Oh, I'm honored to be here with you and, and to be on this path with you. You know, I just loved how you just straight up said, who is Dwight Dunstan? Who is Francisco Burgos? <laughs> well, you know that I am originally from the Dominican Republic. But when I describe myself and share my identity, I describe myself as an internationalist. I try to really embrace the place where I am. I have traveled extensively within the Americas and felt that I belong to many places along the road. Growing up in Santo Domingo, I had the opportunity to explore my own spirituality through the Catholic Church. And... I was lucky because in my community, we have a very progressive Catholic community. So when I moved here in the U.S., I tried to relate to that faith tradition, and I felt a disconnection. I felt so frustrated with not finding a place where I could nurture my spirituality that I visited a Quaker meeting. And I had that sense of, oh, oh. This is home. This is really something that speaks to my condition. Mm. So here I am sharing with you about my own journey with friends. And you started telling a little bit that the first encounter that you had with friends was when you were a teenager 
Mm-hmm. That you attended a French school. Yeah. So can you speak a little bit more about your own journey with with Quakers? Absolutely. I um, told you I grew up in in West Philly, and I I grew up going to Baptist church. So as I think back about my spirituality today, and so many other parts of my identity, actually my artistry, being in Baptist church, a lot of music gets played. I was on the choir. It was the first time I really performed music in front of other people was in this church. And certainly having the sacred text in this faith tradition, um, having the Bible as a a text to study and learn from, you know, all of that was in my foundation in terms of my religious, spiritual upbringing. And I got wind of this scholarship to this Quaker school. It had friends in the title. And the first thing I thought was like, oh, I guess everybody's friendly. Like, that's what it means. That's what the word (laughs) friend means. You know, everyone gets along, you know. Um, That was my my 13-year-old brain. You know, how else am I supposed to make sense of the word friends in a school name than to think about how people treat each other? And I think it's really profound and fascinating that arriving at the school as a teenager, um, I did feel this sense of community. It was a spiritually grounded experience. 400 plus people sitting in silence (laughs) once a week. It was atypical to any other thing I had done in my life to that point. And so naturally meeting for worship for me, not having a lot of relationship with silence and going inward in that kind of way. And in the Baptist church, even when we're doing the prayer, you know, or we're we're doing some silent reflection, there's like an organ or a piano in the background, right? Still playing, you know, like, which sometimes it can be really grounding. But there was something also profound about being 14 and being in this room. And I've never heard silence be more loud, you know, 400 people all in, in introspection. And then, you know, all of a sudden someone would stand up and speak from that silence and share a message and then sit back down. And that might've been the only thing that happened for those 40 minutes. And I think in entering meeting for worship, even as a teenager, because I was so fidgety, it was very uncomfortable to sit and be present um, with myself. And by the time I became a, a senior and I knew that my time in meeting for worship was coming to an end, I started to get really sad. Cause I was like, wow, I actually really cherish this time to be searching for inner truth, nurturing an inner light, listening for that inner God with others and, and, and with my best friends, with my favorite teachers, with my favorite coaches, you know, just that time to be on that collective journey. But that that solo journey um, was I was going to miss it. And so I think it was five years from when I graduated at 18. But that entire time as I went to college, I lived in England studying poetry. Yeah, sort of life happens. But all the while, that seed that got planted as a 14-year-old, that really stayed with me. That really stayed with me. And so when it became time as an adult, this is where I identify as as a seeker. I was on this journey where I knew the church wasn't going to nurture me in the way that I needed to be nurtured. Like no regrets about those experiences, those years in the church. And I knew I was on a different path, that I needed something different. I, I knew it inwardly.
you are describing yourself as somebody that for many people you will be described as a activist mm, yeah mm-hmm. how do you connect those huge component activism and spirituality listening and and looking back at your life path how do you think that these two things came together so beautifully yeah i love it beautiful question i always joke that i've been a facilitator pretty much my whole life. I only started to get paid for it at 24. <laughs> Being a middle child growing up, I, I had to be acutely aware of what everyone was feeling, what they were going through, anticipate people's thoughts, anticipate their reactions. And I just got really good at reading a room, even as a young person. And so shout out to my, my family ecosystem for helping to nurture those skills that I would later in life be compensated for and in You know, that's that's both real and a joke. Um, I think I knew at an early age that it really mattered that people be listened to really well. If they were treated right, that they would feel more connected to a space. I really saw the power of care and compassion. Sometimes I like to ask people to think about a time when they were a young person and they felt affirmed, valued, and appreciated by adults in their lives, whether parents or uncles or older cousins or coaches. And, you know, just just rooting in that feeling of what it like to be a young person and be affirmed and valued and appreciated. You know, it does incredible wonders to what we feel like might be possible in the world and, and allows us to be really creative and expressive. And I hit people with the flip side of that question. You know, think about a time where you felt undervalued, not appreciated, unaffirmed, you know, hold those stories also alongside. And we know when we do that to one another, especially to young people, you know, they get smaller, they go inward, they shrink down. And so I think I was very aware of that at a very young age. And I think we're all hardwired to be activists. Activists is more or less somebody who sees something wrong and makes noise about it. A baby will do this very easily. <laughs> you know, babies are maybe the best activists on the planet. When a need isn't being met or something is wrong, they'll let you know. And so I think the activist piece was hardwired into me. And then the spirituality piece, I've just seen the power of really deeply loving and showing care and, and bringing hope to ourselves and, and the spaces that we're in. And, and spirituality to me has to do with hope, you know, And, and I want to ask you this question in just a moment, because we often talk about another world being possible, right? And that's what spirituality means to me, having hope and faith that another world is possible. So the activism is speaking to that injustice or that wrongdoing, and the spirituality is that belief that another way of relating to one another is possible. And so connecting those two, my activism has looked different ways over, over my life. You know, I was involved in sort of prison reform and thinking about how we support folks returning from prisons, integrating back into society and, and how do we treat them with their full humanity intact. I worked with an organization for many years, was on the board, thinking about the environmental impact of greed and, you know, environmental exploitation and how do we hold companies and banks accountable for the harm they're causing to the planet. And so, right, I think in both of those examples, I think I'm really living into another world is possible here. And also that thing you're doing is wrong. That is just, that's wrong. And so, um, That's how my activism and spirituality have really been married and really close companions for the last few years. Yeah, it is interesting. Your relationship with the word activist, 
the way how you are describing it is, is quite interesting to me because in today's world, we have a very narrow view of what an activist is. Mm-hmm. And when I posted to you that question, I, I am thinking about the word mystical. Mm. Because for me, there is now a distinction between spirituality and activism, for example. Mm. Uh, mysticism in that regard is a great way to describe what you were just saying, mm. you know, how your spirituality allow you to discover that there is a need to protect the environment and you must do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there is nothing more mystical than that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for reflecting that back. I'm, I'm curious, you often talk about this idea of another world is possible, you know, hmm. and it's going to be a central theme to, to what we do on the podcast. It's going to be what we ask the folks that are going to be sitting in the seat that you're sitting in, the same question of what that phrase means to them, what's important about this time in history, this moment, the place we're in individually as a culture, as a society. But I would love to just know what does that phrase mean to you? And and why do you think it's important at this time that we even entertain thoughts around that idea? Well, let me give you some background. That phrase and why that phrase is so key to me. You are very familiar with the Brazilian educator, Paulo Freire. Mm-hmm. So for Paulo, the idea that we are being in the world, mm-hmm. not that we are just are in the world, but we are being, that action in the verb to be, being, was critical because that means that I cannot see myself as a passive subject in a concrete reality, yeah? But I must see myself as a active individual that is called to respond, not just to what is in front of me, but at the same time to explore with creativity what I must offer. Mm. When I was in my formation as an educator, those ideas were key for me to start seeing the world not necessarily with the constraints that were presented to me, but with a sense of hope and possibility. Yes, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, we are facing violence, but nonviolence is possible mm. and peace is possible. Yes, we are facing poverty, but a fair distribution of the world resources is possible. So there is a lot of power on that because if we are just conforming to the current status quo, Mm. you know, I don't see hope there. Hope for me is, let's see our reality, let's see everything that is within it, and let's try to make this place a better place, not just for us, but for the next generation. Mm. So another word is possible is, is a way to summarize all of them. Yes. Another world is possible, but, you know, for that world to be real, I need to be implicated on that transformation in making that possibility a reality. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I need to really embrace the work of knowing the world as it is in order to see what in the heck is that we will be transforming. Yes. Yeah. And in order for that to happen, I must, I must embrace whatever task I can 
to make that a reality. Yeah. And maybe the podcast is one of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's definitely, it's definitely one of them. It is. I know you've been planting seeds wherever you go, Francisco, for the world that is possible. And I just want to just share my gratitude and love for the seed you planted here. And I know I just already feel it. I know this podcast has the potential to support us in living into that world and being more healed and whole because it's it's happening to me through this conversation already. One of the characteristics that I admire of gardeners is hope. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they plant that seed not knowing what will happen. You know, mm-hmm. a bird can dig it, dig square, the, the groundhog. And here we are planting a seed for a podcast for this lovely institution among the Religious Society of Franks, but beyond the Religious Society of Franks. And in that context, as we are exploring each other here, what are you hoping for this space to be? What is your vision for that? Mm. If you can share, that will be a very, very good gift for me. Oh, wow. And I will consider my work done. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Part of my other work in the world is um, centered on storytelling and Mm. supporting people to become better authors of their own story, their own narratives. And, you know, even just in our exchange today, each of us were, were telling pieces of our stories, some of which we've heard from one another, but some of the things were new to one another. And so my hope for this podcast is that as I sit here with the folks that will, will join me in conversation around many of the themes we talked about, sharing their stories, their experiences, that it will invite people who are listening to ask themselves some of the same questions our guests ask themselves on their own journey, on their own paths. The listeners will go inward and and ask those questions and reflect on their own experiences, how they arrived to that time, to that day, to that moment that they're going to be here with us listening, how they think about their spirituality, their activism, their artistry. And my hope is that from doing that process, that people will know themselves more deeply. And sometimes, as we know, you know, some of that process of excavating who you are and what I like to call your, your superpowers, your unique gifts and talents and skills. Sometimes we go back over those moments. We might not be proud of who we were in that moment. We might not be totally pleased that we, you know, sidestep our values or our purpose in this moment. But my hope is that we really can humanize our guests and, and thus people listening will be able to give themselves grace and care and compassion in those hard places just have jubilation in, in those places where they're like, wow, I do bring this gift to my community. I, I did have this experience that transformed me and I'm so grateful I am who I am because of this experience. That's my hope is that people are transformed by the stories and are inspired by the experiences and wisdom that our guests share. I really feel like the seed that we'll cultivate here, yeah, we might not be able to see the fruits forever. I got to let that go. But my hope is that People are nurtured by that tree, whether it's by the shade, whether it's by the the fruit that it actually bears, whether it's by the roots that are in the ground that feeds Mm -hmm. another tree that's closer to them, you know, but that this seed that we're planting here will will be able to nurture. That's great. That's great. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. 
Pendle Hill is a Quaker center open to all for spirit-led learning, retreat, and community. We're located in Wallingford, PA, on the traditional territory of the Lene Lenape people. Visit us at PendleHill.org. The podcast was produced and edited by Arielle Goodman with the support of Pendle Hill Education Director Francis Kramer and Education Associate Anna Hill. Our episodes were mixed by Leah Shaw Dameron. Our theme music is The I Rise Project by Reverend Retta Morgan and Bennett Kuhn, produced by Astronautical Records. If y'all are listening to these last 30 seconds, you made it to the end with us, and we would so love it if you could subscribe, rate, or review us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us to keep planting those seeds. This project was made possible by the generous support of the Thomas H. and Mary William Shoemaker Fund. <laughs>